Right now, I'm sitting on the back porch. Part of it's covered, and I'm enjoying the little bit of rain that we're getting. It's July. No, it's August. It's August. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm trying to think. It's August. And you heard how I was yesterday and everything. And today, I got a call. My husband had to take our son to Med Express last night because I just physically couldn't get up and do it. And took our son to have his toe looked at. It's crooked. I knew it was broken. But I just wondered, you know, how bad, you know. So he goes and does that. Well, I get a call from the ortho doctor today. And he's, they're like, we need to, you know, get him in. I'm thinking, okay, I'm having to rest because tomorrow Wyland's getting his wisdom teeth taken out. And I have to be physically ready for that. And I cannot disappoint. Oh, that's Arlo. He's barking across the street. And I'm like, I have to physically be ready. It's just his toe. And I know you tape them together. I've broken my toe before. There's not much we can do. And then I'm thinking, this is my son. I've got to get them there. What are we talking about? And she's like, today. We could do today at 2 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And they didn't have any opportunities open in the Williamsburg office. We were going to have to go down to Newport News, which puts us in a 30-minute travel time. I said, that's my boy. That's my son. He's got it. You got it. Boom. I'll have him there. So we get down there to the appointment. Now, I put my collar on because I knew that I was going to have a difficult time because I was already struggling. The reason why I'm not in the house right now is that by the time my son and I got done, we had to drive back to town. We had to go to the Taekwondo studio where he works to explain what was happening to his boss and then i tried to go find another post-op shoe somewhere and then i had to come home fix my son some cheese sticks so he could eat real fast then take him to work then go get gas because i was 20 some miles below e which never happens because i don't allow myself to go below three quarters of a tank and after today it will not happen again but the reason being is because i found this cheap place across town and i have this app that you get 10 cents back sometimes my cheapness gets the best of me so right now i'm having a difficult time talking because i'm spasming <laughs> my stomach it's just I, my body is fighting me and if i'm in the house the house my husband keeps the house at 69 degrees because he works outside all day so we like to keep the house well he likes to keep the house cold and so i'm used to it so i'm always wearing a hoodie and i'm always warm i can't get warm in the house and i can't chalk chalk <laughs> i can't talk outside either can i so i'm having a difficult time having a conversation and i just got some exciting news that um an opportunity that's been given to me with this illness a couple of them one Ashley Black is having me test one of her tools that comes out Black Friday. So I'll keep you posted on that. I don't know if we're supposed to tell anybody, but oh, well, I just did. So I get to test this tool out on a body part and I have to show, you know, the, the effects of it for 30 days. So I'm really excited about this. So I got that opportunity. And then I told you, I always, if there was a way that I could 
you know, make money off of this illness, not off of you, but for me to somehow make money and an opportunity came across because, you know, somebody wants me to, to share my story and by sharing my story, they want to pay me for my time, which is very nice. So it makes me feel like, wow, okay, this is pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. So because of that, and because I have been running around since I got up out of bed, directly out of bed, I got up to feed my son and then to take him to this appointment. I have been up now for seven hours and my body is not cooperating and I've got to go do a target pickup and get my son and let him get the last meal of his choice because he can't eat after midnight. So I was so proud of myself. I'd been in bed for days. I'm not able to walk very well, having some problems, but I got up, got dressed, put my collar on, was able to take my son and have no problems. And I need to ask you, am I being too sensitive? Now, I did, you know, I did ask you, you know, the other day about, you know, maybe I'm reading things wrong, you know, with my husband and my son and this, that, and the other. But people, now, you hurt with this illness, do you not? I mean, we're in constant pain, right? Now, when I lost my job because of this illness, I was bummed out. I was on my way home. I ran out of gas the first and only time ever in my life. And it was tax-free weekend in Virginia. And I told my husband, I called him, I said, I've on the side of 64, you need to come and bring me gas and let's go buy TV for the kitchen because, well, it's tax-free. So that's how I handled losing my job. I didn't get upset with anybody. I didn't treat anybody like dirt. You know, when I lost my ability to walk and talk, I couldn't yell at anybody. And if somebody wasn't happy with me, you know, they just walk away. I couldn't follow them, and I sure as heck couldn't yell at them. And I'd like to think that I've kept a positive attitude with this illness, you know? Even at my worst, I feel like I didn't take it out on anybody. Today, I did something I've never done, but my son and I were there at the doctor's office. And I'm talking to the doctor. And it's obvious that I'm annoying him because I'm asking him questions. My son's toe is broken enough that he doesn't need surgery, but he has to wear this shoe that does not bend for six weeks. He can put weight on it, but he has to sleep with this shoe. And I said, well, you're asking him to wear this shoe to work, wear this shoe out. I'm not going to have him put this shoe in his bed. But they were not able to provide me with another shoe. So that irritated me a little bit, demanding that he wear this shoe all the time. And I'm thinking, really? I lice all my shoes every time I come home because of COVID. I still do it. I'm lice all my butt if I sat on anything. Then I change clothes, you know. But... 
I was asking these questions, and then I was like, well, could we wear a regular shoe? And he's like, well, it can't bend. He says, the only ones I know of are those Birkenstocks. And I'm sorry, I am not a fan of Birkenstocks. They're just not my shoe. Now, I'm not a fan of those Crocs either. They were adorable on my son when he was a year old, two years old. It looked cute. It's just not the shoe of my choice. Just like I don't wear anything that's three quarters because as a six foot one woman, it looks like I can't afford to clothe myself. So I like my clothes dragging the ground. If it's raining outside, the bottom of my jeans are getting wet because they're dragging the ground. That's just the way it is for me. It's just to my liking. And I said, well, We've got those Skechers, and I wonder if that would work. And the doctor's looking at me. I only know of the Birkenstocks. I said, okay. Oh, I said Doc Martens. My son got a pair of Doc Martens, and those are pretty thick. Maybe I only know. And I was like, yes, I know that. I said, I'm just trying to go through things, and rather than go through it silently, I'm saying them out loud, obviously irritating you, and I apologize. I said, but I'm trying to express to my son the importance that he wear this ugly shoe that you've got him in that he can only have one of. And y'all didn't give it to him. It was the Med Express people. Y'all can't give me another shoe? I said, I'm just trying to figure it out. So anyway, we finished there. Then we have to go wait in a line. And we wait in a line for somebody to come check us out so we can be seen. So the woman comes and gets us. We go. She goes, I'll help you down at number six. And I'm looking. And she didn't say that six was through the door and all that. I'm looking and counting. And there's, you know, I see eight, nine, ten. And I don't see a six. And then I realize I've got to push this button to get out the door. So I go ahead and do that. And then we go there. She goes, well, he wants to see him in three to four weeks. So uh, how about, and I said, well, how about Thursday the 25th? No, he's not here. Okay. I said, she goes, the soonest we can get him in is Thursday the 31st. And I said, okay. Now, my son is aggravated right now. He's aggravated because he's thinking, I'm going to lose my job. I can't do anything. And I was trying to talk to my son. And he just said, I need a minute. I need a minute. Can you just, I just need a minute. And I said, I completely understand that you need a minute, but I'm your mother and I'm trying to help you, to help you. I'm trying to tell you, help you. See, that's what you say, help. I'm trying to help you by letting you know, give your mom a shot. It took me a year, but I finally got a free phone from AT&T because they messed us up on a bill and we were supposed to get a free phone. It didn't happen. It took me a year, but I finally got it. I said, trust me, we'll talk to your boss. You're going to still have your job. Don't worry about it. So he had this little attitude with me saying, I don't, I just, I just need to be left alone. So I'm a little aggravated with my son. Then I meet this woman that's trying to tell me Thursday, the 31st is the soonest that my son can get into his appointment. And I'm like, okay, he starts school on the 28th. And to get him down here, I mean, I'm going to have to get him out of school earlier. And I said, you know, what about this date? What about this date? Well, he's not available on Friday. 
And I said, if you hear anything, that's just my husband. He's on the deck. He's kicking stuff off. But anyway, I said, what about Friday? He's not here Fridays. I said, well, what's the latest time? 2.30. She goes, everybody takes the afternoon appointments. I said, well, what about Tuesday the 23rd? He's not here. And she just started getting ruder and ruder. And I'm trying to do all I can for my child, even though he's a little miffed at the moment, I guess. So as I'm sitting there trying to appease my son, because I thought to myself, three weeks is the week before school gets out or before school starts. And if I can get my son back to the doctor before the three weeks before school starts, then maybe he'll be able to be out of this shoe if I can't find another more accommodating, accommodable, accommodating, whatever kind of shoe. So I go ahead and I'm talking to the woman and I'm like, I am going to do everything I can for my son. When it comes to my child, I can pull it out of my rear end. I will make it happen. So aggravated with my child and then she's sitting there coming up with things and saying there's no time and I said well look she said he said he only has to be seen or wear the shoe for six weeks I said can I push it out it's up to you if you want to push it out that's up to you but he did say three to four weeks she said three I said he said three weeks and you're telling me he's not here in three weeks I said we're coming from Williamsburg I said do you have anything in the Williamsburg office? First of all, I said, do you have another doctor that could see my child? No, it has to be Dr. Fleming. I said, okay. And then finally I went, do you have anything in Williamsburg? Well, yes, he's in Williamsburg on Fridays. And I said, well, at what point do you think you could have done that? So for the first time in my life, my positive attitude went from I looked at my son and I looked at her and I said never in my life have I had to have such attitude from my child and the person that's checking me out and she looked at me I said yes ma'am I'm talking about you because you've had attitude with me since I came up here you made it seem like I didn't care about my son because I was pushing it off and you failed to tell me that there were other locations you could have put me in I said we're from Williamsburg why would you not offer me Williamsburg? And then her attitude politely changed. But you see, I didn't chalk it up to, I can barely hold my neck up. I'm sucking my stomach in. I'm not feeling the best that I could possibly be feeling. And so I'm going to treat the person like dirt. Like, you know, my son's excuse and other people that, you know, will be like, well, I'm hurting and that's why I'm acting the way I I am. How often are we hurting? Do you treat people like crap? No. Or am I being just too sensitive? Maybe I'm being too sensitive and thinking that, you know, maybe I'm just so concerned about being overly nice and being overly positive that this is the way people regularly are and maybe I'm just being too sensitive I don't know but I was rude and I felt I deserved to be rude and then when I got the appointment that I wanted which was three days before school started 
for my son, and that's Ellie here. Emma just came outside with my husband. He rides her around. He gets to show her the yard, and now Ella's upset because she's, bless her heart, at 17 pounds, she's, she, you don't, you can't pick her up very well, so she comes out here and cries. So she's crying because she's not out on the porch, and they don't have a lap to sit in, so the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket in my house because I'm sitting on the back porch because it's too cold inside. So... I told my son, I did that for you. I made it so you could get in before school because maybe if you just listen and don't go barefoot and wear this ugly shoe until I can come up with something else, you might really not have to wear it to school. I said, so you see, trust your old mom. And then when we got in the vehicle, I, I sat there and I said, son, I felt you were a little rude to me. He goes, you know, it's not always about you. <laughs> my 15-year-old son. It's not always about you. Oh, my gosh. Kids and the Internet and therapy and all that stuff that they read about. I mean, when you have somebody that tells you, you go, oh, I really like this girl, but she's on this something spectrum, so loud noises bother her. I have to go look it up because she can't be around anybody when sirens go off, like if a fire truck goes by or, you know, something, ambulance or whatever, and it makes that, for my UK people, I don't know how it sounds in Mexico, and I don't know how it sounds in Canada, but I watch Doctor Who, so I know how it sounds there in the UK, but it's here in the United States. So apparently when she hears this noise, because she's on this something kind of spectrum, she, and I'm not making fun. I legit, I understand it's a legitimate thing, but I'm just saying we wouldn't have known about it when I was 15 years old in 1985. It would have been told to me, get over it. Let's go. You have no issues. That's what it would have been told to me in 1985. I do know this because of an incident that happened with one of my stepfathers and I learned certain things. I don't even know if I should tell that story. It probably shouldn't. Well, you know what? It Okay. A long time ago, I was a little girl. My mom was with this one. It was Kenneth Merle. She was with Kenneth Merle and I was, let's see, six years old. And one of the big things was stick it in your ear. And that was an insult back in 1976. Stick it in your ear, evidently. Like up your nose with a rubber hose, I guess, from Vinnie Barbarino for the Sweat Hogs. Uh, welcome back, Cotta, for anybody that does remember that. I'm trying to hit all the demographics here. I know we've got a lot. I'm so excited, and thank you all for being here. So he was sitting there and eating, and we were eating McDonald's. And I got in trouble if I ate my french fries before my hamburger because my french fries were supposed to be a treat. And I think, now, if I was in therapy, I, I, I had this thing about eating my french fries. Like, 
going through and getting a large Coke and a large French fry is a big treat for me. And part of that, I'm wondering if it goes back to my childhood. I mean, if I listen to all the neurologists that told me it's in your head, it's in your head, you need therapy. Well, we'll just count this as my therapy. French fries were a delicacy, I guess, to Kenneth Merle. And I had to understand that at six years old and I got in trouble if I ate my French fries before I ate my hamburger. So I'd have to eat my hamburger first and then I could enjoy my French fries. Well, we were in the middle of eating our scrumptious McDonald's meal and he was talking about how he got more. He was one of those guys, he didn't go to work unless they were picketing and then he could go to work and be a scab. That's what they call people that cross the picket line. At least that's what they did at the Newport News shipyard when I was a little girl in 1976. He didn't go to work on a regular day, but when they were picketing, he went to work and was a scab. And he enjoyed that. And he was so afraid. Well, this is this trips me out too. My mom could sure pick him. He crossed the picket line and then he was so afraid that they were going to come after him that he sat on our roof with his shotgun all throughout the night and he accidentally shot our cat in the rear end and our cat was fine they had to get the little you know shotgun pellets and stuff out of his derriere and he's also the same cat that crawled into the refrigerator and when my uncle opened the door the cat fell out that cat had a very hard i guess that cat did have nine lives survived the shotgun shot and the refrigerator lockup. So anyway, that was his little Mew was his name. But anyway, so he was sitting on the roof and then he shot the cat, but he was afraid people were after him because he was a scab. So anyway, we're eating our McDonald's meal. And he was talking about how incredibly manly he was and this, that, and the other, and how nobody would say, stick it in your ear. And I said, well, you know, oh, what what does this, what what would happen? He goes, you go ahead and you say it to me. And so at six years old, I said, stick it in your ear. He slapped the daylights out of me. And from that point on, those words never came out of my mouth until today. Oh my gosh, I can walk now probably because I got rid of my trauma, according to Dr. Ugh. At VCU, the doctor that said I needed to release my trauma. No, my pain's not gone because I talked about it. No, I'm not able to walk. And no, I'm not making fun of anyone that does get relief from that kind of therapy. It just wasn't necessary for me to be able to walk. We had this discussion yesterday. So that's how I was raised. And that's how things were treated back then. But now my son can be like, I need a minute to process. My friend has this something on the spectrum. This is, you know, I, I, they understand the things. There's just so much more out there now that the kids are 
that 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 they are privy to that I was not as a child. So I gave my son a chance to process, and I think the last straw was when you know I went to just I said just trust your old mom. I got your appointment changed, and I went to tap him on the leg, and he moved his leg because he didn't want to be touched right now. He didn't want to be touched by anybody, but I'm not anybody. I'm his mother. And I plan on bending over backwards for my child. But because he's in a mood, because he hurt his toe, and this, that, and the other. And I said, I I don't know what. I said, you, your father, I mean, y'all have to learn how to react differently. I said, if I treated you the way you're treating me because I lost my ability to walk or because y'all are taking me back to the bed and insisting that I stay in the bed or insisting that I do this or or fussing at me. I said, I'd be a bitch all the time. And I sure as heck wouldn't have been at a job very long if I treated people the way they treat me. And I know it's not always about me. That wasn't the thing. I wasn't looking at it like my son had a problem with me. I knew he had a problem with the issue, but I was trying to explain to him, you don't know everything at 15, and sometimes you've got to trust that maybe I can help this situation. So he apologized. His attitude changed. We get to his job. We walk in. I said, do you just trust me? Just let me talk. I have allowed my son to dictate his hours and this, that, and the other. He was afraid he wasn't going to be able to work. We walk in. I see the owner, his boss, and I said, because he already knew he broke his toe. And I said, Here you go. I said, June, this is what we're looking at. I said, I want you to know he wants to work. I said, I was telling him he needs to take time off next week because of the uh, wisdom teeth extractions. Why? Because you can't bend down and he's going to have all four taken out. And he's like, I know I was telling him that. And I said, but he's worried that you're not going to let him work. I said, but rest assured, The doctor said, as long as he wears this shoe, he can work. I said, if he goes barefoot, he could increase his risk of it not healing correctly and he'll need surgery. And I said, I, because you're not supposed to wear outdoor shoes on indoor surfaces uh, uh, for the mats at Taekwondo. Hence my reasoning for asking for another shoe because I need a 12-foot shoe. Not 12-foot. I don't know measurements well. That's why it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good because I don't know. Uh, well, I'm thinking of a penis now, and I'm thinking of the size of a penis, and my mind just went off into a different subject. But anyway, I need a 12-inch shoe for my son. And you just can't pick those up at the CVS because we tried, because I spent all this time going. And now, just now, as of talking with you, my spasms on the inside have really eased up a little bit. And now I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed and feeling like I can talk a little bit, but I can tell that taking off my collar, you know, has has messed things up a little bit. So... 
I just asked him, I said, you know, he can't kick and he can't jump, but he really wants to be here. I said, do you have a problem if I go get a shoe that is only worn indoors? Because remember, my son's got to wear this in bed. I said, would you be okay? He's like, oh gosh, yeah, of course. My son, who I normally let handle these things, thought that he was going, He, I mean, he wasn't prepared to go in there and do anything. He didn't say anything except answer the questions that his boss gave to him, like, does it hurt? When did you do it? How did you do it? And he just shut his mouth and let me do it all. And when we walked out, he's like, man, I'm sorry, mom. And he said, I honestly don't know how you live in the pain that I know you're in and you're pleasant as often as you are. So that made me feel pretty darn good. That made me feel like maybe I hadn't done such a a bad job and maybe that mother of the year award will be around the corner next year until I do something else to screw it up. But it made me think, do I judge people too harshly when they're rude? I normally just let it roll off my back. Today, it just aggravated me. And I always had that attitude that somebody might be a little short with me or something like that. And it absolutely has nothing to do with me. I don't know what they left when they left their house. Were they in an argument? You know, I came from a job that it didn't matter what was going on outside the booth. The minute you went on the air, you were bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and you didn't take your problems on the air. Now, there were those few times, you know, where we would ask people just, you know, as a joke, you know, go by and honk your horn because they, you know, I forget what somebody did, but somebody was really rude one day. And one of our things was, you just go by and every time you go by, just honk your horn. I didn't think anybody took me seriously. Well, we got a call from the gas station saying, would you please have her go on the air and ask people that tell them that we apologized and we're giving her a gift card for beverages and please ask her to tell people to stop honking their horns because it's getting to be a bit much. I didn't think anybody listened to me. So, you know, I'm not usually one to complain and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I realize that a person might be aggravated because of an issue. It's just back in my radio days, back and growing up, you just weren't allowed to bring those on the floor. Meaning you just, once you went out to wait tables, it didn't matter if you were upset about something at home. It didn't matter if you hurt. You're supposed to just accept it. Where I find a fault with that is I feel like because I told my son, I, I told him this when he was a little boy, 
because he was going up to people at three years old, walking up to people and saying hi. And when they didn't respond, he would go up and say, excuse me, I said hi, how are you doing? Hi. And he was a little boy at three years old doing that. Because I told him, I said, when you walk away from somebody, you want to make sure that person is happy that they ran into you today. I said, honestly, when people say, hey, how you doing? They really don't want to know. They really don't want you to tell them. At least that's just how I thought about it. So I told him, keep a smile on your face and you walk away and you make that person happy they ran into you. So there are a lot of times that I'll be dealing with somebody on the phone and the minute I say something because they're rude uh, and the minute I say something simple like, you know what, you have a really nice voice. I do voiceover work and you have a very pleasant voice they immediately become accommodating, but they immediately change their attitude and they're nicer to me. So that's how I raised my son. And I feel that there is a bad side to what I did because you see, he has gone with a broken toe without complaining about it. He's had maybe four naproxens since he came home from camp and he came home on the 29th and he's had maybe four, two at a time. So he's gotten them two times. He doesn't complain. And that is an error on my part because he needs to know that he can complain to me and he can show his real self. It's a different world. And maybe I've screwed things up and I didn't mean to. It was just how I worked. It's how I made my money. And it's just my philosophy with people. When you walk away, make sure that, you know, hey, you look lovely. Gotta go. <laughs> Something like that, you know. And I thought, If I complained because my body hurt me, like my son was doing, and how other people have done to me, I wouldn't have that many friends. Now, we know I don't have many friends anyway, but it's not because I go around complaining about my neck hurting or complaining because my body's falling apart. I haven't had that breakdown, you know, where I've sat there and been like, nothing good is going to come from this illness. There's a part of me thinking, you know, something positive. And now I've been given an opportunity to share what it has been like for me going through this with a woman who won't listen to anybody and this person feels like me sharing my experience with them will be of some benefit. So I've been holding out for two and a half years thinking something's got to come from this. I need to be able to help somebody because I got this illness. And I'm wondering, am I wrong? Should I be a negative Nelly? Should I be all gruesome to people and, and be a little bit rude because I hurt? No, that's not me, and I can't do that. 
But I just had to share that with you today because I was a little perturbed. But then I felt very blessed when my son told me he just didn't know how I managed to not be bitchy with the amount of pain that he knows that I'm in. I hate that he hurts. I hate that he broke his toe. But it made me feel good having him appreciate my attitude with this illness. So I guess that's what we'll do. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. I feel like a lesson was learned. I was able to get a little bit off my chest. And just think about it for yourself. Do you carry the pains of your illness with everyone you meet? Or do you hide it a little bit and mask it so that other people don't have to see how much pain you truly are in? Because it's nice to feel normal. And I hate to even use that because we are normal. We're not not normal just because we hurt. But it just makes me, you don't want to have to always talk about this illness. And if I sit there and say I hurt, they're going to ask why. When people are like, why are you wearing the neck collar? Sometimes if it's somebody that I see on a regular basis, I'm like, oh, you know, it's the illness. I got to make sure my head stays on, you know, a little something like that. Because I just don't want to share what I'm going through all the time because it just turns into this conversation and I don't want somebody feeling sorry for me. So there you have it. We're going to stop there. Can't wait to chat with you tomorrow because what I was going to talk about, I was real excited about, but then this incident made me go in another direction. So there you go. I am going to throw my shoes on, get myself together, go pick up my target curbside with my husband and then go get our child and go take him for his last meal before he gets his wisdom teeth removed and enjoy the rest of my evening. I thank you so much for being here and taking the time to listen to me. It means an awful lot. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. Ah, let's see which direction I decide to go. I hope your pain is minimal. Thank you for being here. Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra. Have a lovely day.